You think you know something about a podcast? You know nothing about a podcast. Welcome to a Beer Best Served podcast. I'm your host, Ermio, aka the Bald Man Homebrewer. Let's get this brew session started. So sit back, relax, listen, and have a homebrew or two. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a Beer Better Served podcast. You know, when I started these podcasts, my whole premise behind these podcasts was to get people excited about homebrewing, a hobby that I really enjoy, but I am no expert. I've only been doing it for three and a half years, but I figured, you know what, why not pass on the little knowledge that I do have, give a perspective of a new homebrewer, and let you know all the trials and tribulations, my successes, my failures, all those things that contributed to where I am today as a hopefully better home brewer, but more importantly, a home brewer that will not give up. I am not going to give up. I'm brewing a product that I enjoy. So I'm hoping that these podcasts bring you to that point where, you know, first of all, they inspire you, they give you a little knowledge that you can take away, and more importantly, have you get into something that it's, it's very exciting, and you're going to produce something not only that you will enjoy, but likely to the friends and the co-home brewers that you give it to, they're going to enjoy it. And you'll join a group of people that are just exceptional. Home brewers are just a lot of fun uh, to hang out with. They're knowledgeable and they love to share. The Probably what I never explained in the original podcast all the way up to this fourth podcast is the format that I am using to sort of keep each one consistent and to have fun with it, but at the same time not drone on about a single subject to bore the hell out of all of you. I'm looking at taking these podcasts, dividing them up into three little pieces. And those little pieces are, the first segment is always going to be about uh, something about homebrewing, a subject matter, something specific, like the first podcast, right? It was about um, uh, budding up, finding someone you can mentor, you know, work with, someone who can mentor you, um, you know, and many resources available to you. Uh, episode two is about, you know, the basic equipment, keeping it cheap, keeping it simple for yourself, knowing that, you know, there isn't that much equipment that you'll need to homebrew. Episode three was really about cleaning and sanitizing. You know, look at uh, cleaning and sanitizing. They're two separate things and how you can uh, apply it to your brew day. And, you know, that's how I started the first segment in all of my podcasts, giving you some information about homebrewing. The second segment is really giving you some insight as to my homebrewing life, what I'm working on at that time, and, you know, it, it, what I'm excited about, what's on my future menu, um, and, you know, just keeping you informed as to what I'm doing as a home brewer. And then the third segment I'm hopeful to either have a guest or, um, uh, you know, doing it myself, but, you know, reviewing a beer that either I produced as a home brewer uh, during the course of the year or that I've purchased 
or in some cases a friend a fellow homebrewer or a friend has given to me and you know I want to review it a lot of the stuff that I do review in, in brewing is local you know it's mostly East Coast uh, mostly in the New England area but I would never hesitate to enjoy uh, both international, uh, national, uh, domestic, you know, et cetera, craft, larger producer beers. I'm not going to have any dividing line on that. Uh, I'm just going to basically be inspired. But it will be in the caption. So that's pretty much how I would like to divide up the three segments of my podcast so that you can obviously pick and choose what you want to listen to. But most importantly, I don't want to bore the hell out of you. So that's my hope. And of course, in the end of uh, the podcast, I'm hoping you take something away from it. So today's subject matter is really about the ingredients that you're going to use in home brewing. Um, You know, we talked about the equipment, we talked about the cleaning and sanitizing. Now it's time to talk about your first home brew and what it takes to create your first beer. So taking the Google, what are the four ingredients in a beer? And these are the four basic ingredients in a beer. Malt, hops, yeast, and water. That's it, folks. There's nothing more that you need in that kettle to produce a beer. Now, interestingly enough, you know, there are many home brewers, and and if you've got favorite different styles of beers, you know, the amount of malt that you're going to add, the amount of hops you're going to add, the amount of yeast that you're going to add, and the amount of water you're going to put in there will differ depending on what type of beer you're creating, right? So how do you approach your very first homebrew? How do you approach, you know, what kit to get or what to get in order to make that homebrew happen? The first thing uh, I'm going to give you is, you know, when I got into homebrewing, I decided that what I was going to try and do was produce a beer that I like. So pick a style. Um, Most people like ales. Ales are very easy to make. So like a pale ale or an Indian, uh, an IPA, an Indian pale ale. Those are very interesting veins to go into. Um, um, uh, Cezanne, very, you know, keep it in the ale categories. If you want to go laggers and things like that, they're a little bit more difficult to make and you're going to need a fermenting environment, someplace where you can put your beer where it's going to be colder than the normal room temperature. So I will recommend going on the ale side because you can play with more temperatures. You can usually brew an ale or ferment an ale anywhere in the uh, 40 degrees to you know 70 degree area and produce a relatively good first beer. So ales are what I'm going to recommend that you go for. But look for an ale style that you like. Like the, uh, I went with APAs because, I mean IPAs because, you know, that's what was being hit at the time. And I had gone to a local brewery um, um, and a treehouse brewery and in Massachusetts and you know their beer is exceptional and I had gotten um, an ale there and I just went like oh my god this is so good I'll try it. I'm gonna go for ales and reality my favorite beer style is porters and long story short of it that's the one I enjoy brewing the most but it was not the first beer that I brewed so when you're going for your first beer pick a style that you enjoy It'll help you, how should I say, uh, say to digest and analyze, be critical of your first homebrew. It'll give you a sense of, okay, what direction do I need to go in when I brew my second batch? 
So go with a style that you enjoy. You're going to be able to go online. You're going to be able to go to homebrew shops. I mean, if you enjoy pumpkin ales, now's the time to get into pumpkin ales. Very simple to make. Um, and again, there's tons of kits out there. You can go to Northern Brewer online. Great resource. You can go to many of the homebrew shops. If you're in New England, I go to uh, Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Again, um, all these types of resources are available to many of us homebrewers out there. So pick a style, get together with whoever you're getting your supplies from, put together a kit. Most homebrewing shops will be glad to put a kit together for you. Just tell them what you want. Here's a sec second suggestion I have for you. Buy two of those, same the same kit. And my reasoning is this. You're going to make your first batch of beer, and it's going to take a period of time. It's going to take about four weeks for you to actually consume the product that you've made. In that time, you know, why not brew, you know, a second batch if you have the equipment. But more importantly, once you start consuming that first batch, right, when you bottle it, when you've got all, you know, you're no longer you need you no longer need your fermenting bucket to ferment your first product, and you've emptied it out, and you put all that product in the fermenting bucket into your bottles, and you've cleaned it out. Why not produce another batch of that very same beer? It gives you a chance to compare the two, and especially if you take detailed notes of it, you'll be able to think about when you taste the both of them side by side. Why, you know, if one in your decided mind is better than the other one, you can compare those notes and go like, well, what did I do differently? Or, you know, and, and be honest with those notes, by the way. What I mean by that honesty is, you know, sometimes we put ourselves on a schedule where we're going to add hops at a certain time. And for one reason or another, we, we miss that opportunity or, and we may add our hops addition at later than normal. Or, you know, you put in your water or you forget to rinse your uh, grain bag, your, 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 um, your uh, malt bag of additional grains, and you forget to rinse it or something like that. Make note of that. Don't stop the process. Make note of it. And because it's unlikely that you're going to fail. It's unlikely that you're going to produce an undrinkable beer, especially if you have good clean cleaning and sanitizing practices. Poor cleaning and sanitizing practices will result in that horrible brew that I've mentioned many times before. But if you've got good cleaning and sanitizing practices, the odds are you're going to always produce a drinkable product, a product that you're going to be able to consume and your friends will be able to consume. But, you know, when you when you go out and you buy that kit, buy, and you're doing this for your very first time, buy two of the same kit, brew one, and then as soon as you take that brewed beer and you pu pull it out of your fermenting environment, you put it into your bottling bucket and you bottle 50 bottles of beer that you're going to be setting aside for two weeks, start another brew, the exact same brew. And that way, in four weeks beyond, or a total of six weeks later from your very first brew, you'll have two bottles of beer and you'll be able to compare the two. And that's a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed that experience a lot because what it taught me was, is okay, by taking those detailed notes, you know, how, how is this one better than this one? And, you know, I, I, being honest with yourself, you know, there was, I was very rushed during the first one. In other words, I panicked. And I know that I didn't do my hop additions according to the plan. 
So I noticed a, a bittering on that, that beer that I didn't notice on the second one. In fact, I actually felt the second beer that I made was a lot more mellow, mellow and a, a lot more drinkable. And it got better over a period of time. The third time I actually created my my third batch, I actually made a took a learning from the first two and decided I was going to use the exact same ingredients, but I was going to change the hop profile on it. And so I actually added the same amount of hops, but continuously throughout the brew just to see what the effect would be on the flavor. And it was very interesting. I actually enjoyed the second brew of all three better than the first and the third. And that just happened to be because the hop addition there was right with the schedule. First one, panic, didn't have the schedule correct. Third one, I decided to go, I'm going to just add hops throughout the schedule. And the second one, I added it according to the recipe's design. And I, and I, and I will tell you that the second uh, homebrew was the best. I really enjoyed it. So go out there and buy you know, your recipe kit. Now, I never like to have an episode where I don't have some kind of reference to a, a professional information. And so I'm going to the Homebrewer's Answer book here and uh, by Ashton Lewis. And, you know, it says solutions to every problem you'll ever face and answers to every question you'll ever ask. So here's the thing. When you're buying your very first kit, there are two types of malt that you're going to be purchasing in that kit or you'll have a choice to purchase. One is liquid malt extract and the other is dried malt extract. Both will produce a beer. Um, uh, uh, malt extracts are the concentrated wort that you get when you produce, you know, um, um, an all grain. So there really is no difference between the malt content that you'll have between doing an all grain brew. Well, there will be a little difference or getting something with a liquid or dried malt extract. But there is a difference between the two. And I'm going to recommend one over the other. But let's start with uh, Ashton's uh, explanation of the two. So the question asked of Mr. Wizard, what is the difference between LME and DME? Liquid malt extracts, LME, and dried malt extracts, DME, both begin as wort from a mash just like that used in all-grain brewing. LME is a highly concentrated wort, usually 70 to 80% solids, and is made using some sort of evaporator. Most evaporators use used to concentrate food products such as tomato paste and orange juice are multi-effect vacuum evaporators. In these devices, liquid is heated as it runs through a tall evaporation column. The hot liquid flows into the separator where water vapors flow out of the top and the liquid is pumped to a second column. The condensed water vapor is used to heat the next column in the series. Because of the removal of the condensation of water, each column in the multi-effect evaporator has a deeper vacuum than the previous column, thus lowering the boiling point of water. Concentrated liquid flows from the end of the system, and in the case of homebrewing ingredients, the product is LME, or liquid malt extract. Now, dried malt extract is made using a spray dryer like those used to make powdered milk. In a spray dryer, liquid is sprayed through a very small uh, through very small nozzles into a tall vacuum column with hot air flowing up through the bottom. 
liquid is evaporated and carried out of the column. Dried solids fall through the bottom of the column and are collected in a cyclone separator and conveyed out. Food products made in multi-effect evaporators or spray dryers pick up some color and flavor during the process. This is one reason why um, that very light-colored beers can be difficult to make using LME or DME. Other than the differences in the method of production, LME and DME are fairly similar. LME, uh, or liquid malt extracts, does not store well as DME and will darken over extended storage periods. Another difference between LME and DME is that LME is sometimes made from hopped wort, whereas DME is not. Personally, I prefer DME to LME because I think that DME is lighter in color and easier to use. I'm going to agree with the Mr. Wizard. I like using um, DME, dried malt extract. Uh, number one, it's easier to work with. When you're using the liquid malt extracts, it usually comes in containers. It is a syrupy um, product. And of course, you're trying to extract as much as you can out of that container. And so sometimes you're going to have to use some hot water or use some of the uh, hotter liquid in order to try and get that out. And, and there are some secrets in using LME. Would I say to you that if you had a, you, you can't get LME and all you can get is DME or all you, you can't get DME and all you can get is LME, should it prevent you from homebrewing? No. If your recipe has either of those ingredients, you can proceed forward. But if you have the option, if you're working with a homebrew shop and you have the option between the two, I will tell you that dried malt extract in powdered form is a lot easier to use and a lot easier to clean up than uh, liquid malt extract. But don't let it dissuade you. If all you can get is liquid malt extract, then use it. Um, when you get liquid malt extract, check the production code, check the dating on it. If you've got, if it's over six, you know, like I would probably say six months to a year, then, you know, see if you can get something fresher. But if you can't, proceed forward. I mean, the only thing that happens is that the, it's hard to brew lighter beers with uh, um, aged um, liquid malt extracts. So I hope that gives you some answers as to how you should start your first home brewing adventure. Again, go to a brew shop or look online, order your first kit. When you order your second kit, my suggestion is get the same kit. And if you want to get adventuresome, get a third kit and play with the, the ingredients. Um, the next episode, we'll be talking about, you know, the whole processes of making your first uh, batch of beer. But again, when you're looking for ingredients, find a reliable source. Like I suggest, uh, there are two, there are tons of online sources. They're all really great. Um, Northern Brewer, I believe, is featuring a pumpkin ale right now. And I've used it before. It came out exceptionally well. I enjoyed it. A lot of my friends used it. And of course, it's the perfect season for it. Although at the airing of this broadcast, it's likely that, you know, Halloween might have come and gone, but it will make a great Thanksgiving ale also. Remember, folks, a beer is best served when you make it yourself. I smell something burning. Welcome back to a Beer Better Served podcast. Uh, 
This is the segment, segment two, in which I talk about what I'm doing in my home brewing life portion. <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, what I do in my home brewing day. Um, recently, uh, just a few days ago, I had the privilege of having a good friend, Tony, over to brew a all-grain rustic French ale. The day itself was a lot of fun. I enjoyed having Tony here. We brewed very well. We tried to record a session. That didn't come out very well. So here I am re-recording this session. The equipment that I had set up and tested and uh, recalibrated all worked beautifully. Very fine. Uh, you know, all, all the numbers, temperatures, and things like that were reached that I wanted to reach. The pumping systems worked extremely well. So I'm pretty much set up for the rest of my <laughs> brewing, uh, brewing in this beer shed, um, and I think it'll go 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 well moving forward. Of course, being the first brew day um, in a long time, uh, you know I haven't brewed in over six months, um, and having a guest brewer, I, I think I came up with a. I, how do you say this? I think I overextended myself. I mean, I really overextended myself because there was a lot of assumptions made. And it's a lot like the day that I brewed that rustic French ale extract brew. I made a lot of assumptions of how I was going to, you know, succeed and finding myself falling short in numbers. I again fell short with numbers. Um, I made some really common mistakes, um, mistakes I shouldn't have made um, because, you know, I I've made them before, learned from them, and, uh, you know, tried not to repeat them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I made some mistakes. I, I fell short in numbers. Uh, first numbers I fell short were as uh, uh, mash temps. Um, those should have been better. They should have been stronger. They should have been higher. And a common mistake for a lot of home brewers, or should I say a common mistake for myself, is I didn't pre-warm up my um, mash uh, ton, and so, therefore, you know, when I had lower volumes of uh, mash in there, I was reaching the temperatures. But then when I got to the final uh, mash in and uh, I, I fell short by a good five to seven degrees. Um, and and so doing it, it kind of, I think, of course, gave me a lower gravity than I anticipated in the that I desired in the end. So just like the uh, rustic French ale um i fell short on the gravity numbers in the end but definitely i think the results of that were because of the temp numbers that um i had other than, other than that issue or that problem a lot of it really fell within schedule um not, it was nice having a friend tony here to help brew and so everything in the schedule went went really well um i was able to get uh you know the hops and um, any additions done right on time right on the you know dot and um, yeah it, it went it, it, the rest of the brew day went as expected but when you take all the numbers into account there, there are things I need to work on which is which is fine that's it makes it kind of fun <laughs> you know I, I'm not a, a scientist I'm more of a gourmet you know I, I kind of like the whole process more than I do about the scientific numbers. But if I'm going to become a better home brewer, I've got to work on my weaknesses in order to get to those goal points that I want. I mean, you know, again, to produce a beer that, um, 
goes beyond my expectations and of course the expectations of anyone that I'm giving it to. So, um, not there yet, but I will get there. <laughs> you know, what, what can you do? Just make more beer, right? <laughs> and I, and I have no problem making more beer. I, I'll, ma I'll make more beer. Um, the next thing on my plate coming up, of course, is the bottling, um, in approximately in a week and a half, yeah, a little, little over a week, about nine days, I'll be bottling the um, Rustic French Ale Extract. Um, and in about 16 days, uh, 17 days, I'll be bottling the Rustic French Ale All Grain. And in just two or three days, I'm going to be brewing my third batch of beer this year, um, my Christmas beer, my chocolate coffee porter. And I better have my shit in... <laughs> I better have my ducks in a row and I better have my shit together because, you know, this is my Christmas beer. I brewed it multiple times. Obviously, you know, there's no uh, muscle memory. <laughs> uh, it has been a while since I've, I've brewed it. So, uh, you know, I'm going to have to have my, 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 my shit together for that brew day in just a few days. And that would include, you know, having my um, mash tun preheated so that I can reach those numbers that uh, I want to reach uh, in order to get that beer off the ground and to succeed with it. <laughs> so, you know, that's home brewing. You live and learn, you move on, you don't stress out about it, and you, you go with it. Um, again, my beer shed, I'm very happy with. The, everything in it is what I expect. There's only, you know, one real issue is that it's, it's, you know, it's in New England and it's, it's not heated with other than a space heater, but you know, mornings are damn cold here <laughs> as, as, as an example of what's going on right now, I'm freezing my ass off as I record this session and I can't run the heater while recording because it's just going to suck and you're not going to be able to hear me talk or it'd be an annoying noise in the background, but uh, that being said, hell, you know, this is where I live. This is where I grew up. So get over it, Armiel, and stop whining. <laughs> uh, as I would tell anyone, get over it and stop whining. Stop being a mamby and just get out there and do what you have to do, which is what I'm going to do. So looking forward to the next few days, uh, looking forward to the next few weeks, and of course, looking forward to the next few months where, you know, uh, I'll be bottling, I'll, I mean, I'll be brewing, I'll be bottling, and eventually be tasting my wares, um, and future podcasts will reflect uh, all the adventures that uh, I have ahead of me. So, you know, keep brewing out there, keep enjoying um, what it is that you want to do. Um, next podcast, I'll go quickly over the recipe that I'll be doing with the chocolate coffee porter. It is one of my favorite beers uh, to make. Um, I'm a porter guy. I love porters and uh, I've definitely succeeded very well with this beer. A lot of people love it. Um, uh, either that they're, they're lying their asses off to me, but <laughs> which is always a possibility. I mean, how can you tell a person, I think your Christmas present sucks. <laughs> you can't. Um, so, uh, but no, I, I, a lot of people have really enjoyed it and complimented it. And it is my Christmas, Christmas gift. So, um, <laughs> let's hope it goes well um folks again uh, thank you for listening to uh, a beer better served podcast and remember a beer is always best served when you make it yourself fellow home brewing enthusiast 
Where do you get your home brewing supplies? I get mine from Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies, located at 403 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. They are open Wednesday through Friday from 4 to 8, Saturday from 10 to 5, and their new winter hours Sunday from 10 to 2. They're closed Monday and Tuesday. Their phone number is 401-765-3830. Their website is www.blackstonevalleybrewing.com. The owner, Charlie Barron, is a great guy. Excellent customer service and a fellow homebrewing enthusiast. His online ordering system is exceptional. You place your order and moments later you receive an email confirming what you have ordered. If Charlie does not have it, he will find it. And if he cannot find it, then it does not exist. (laughs) I'm just joking. Call Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies for your home brewing needs. Tell Charlie that a Better Beer Served podcast sent you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a Beer Better Served podcast. Um, This is a relatively sad day. (laughs) Uh, I've got to start this segment off as a sad day. Today, I will be sampling uh, the very last bottle of my um, Pilsner uh, Edition 2. My favorite of the three series that I made. I made uh, three different Pilsners. Uh, all triple decoction, uh, all had different uh, problems with them, but definitely addition to came out the very best. And I have a um, a ceremony that I do. I, I was taught by my mentor, um, Bobby G, uh, Bob Gamash, um, Long Neck, where when I'm doing my bottling session, I always fill a 16 ounce bottle first and always consume the 16 of all all the beers when i'm done it's the last bottle i drink and so uh this is why i'm depressed <laughs> i'll be drinking uh this uh pilsner edition too and it's the end of the series so um it's a sad sad but celebratory moment for uh, myself uh, and probably Bobby G, especially when he gets to his favorite beers. So here we go, folks. Um, I hope it meets everything. It has really been a great series. So my toast to the Pilsner makers out there. Um, See, not to disappoint, it definitely has a nice. What I've really liked about this Pilsner, um, and why it's better than the other two, I will say that the carbonation is slightly underdeveloped, but it, um, 
really does not impact the flavor much at all. Um, what I my my first pilsner that I made in this series was way too syrupy. It was, you know, it didn't have much carbonation to it, um, but definitely had a syrupy note to it. And I had felt that um, possibly I didn't let it um, um, lagger long enough to do it. And I really feel that that was the problem with all the pilsners in, in the series that I made is that I didn't give it enough laggering. Uh, I didn't have the patience and I should have had the patience, you know, because this really is my favorite, one of my favorite styles of beers, pilsners, but you really have to give it some time in order to develop. And I don't know if I really did that properly, but that being said, you know, for my youth in home brewing and, uh, unfortunately my <laughs> uh, need to drink more and more before you know it's actually done and not another rushing the process my lack of experience has, has taught me that you know sure you'll get a satisfactory result but will it be what you want uh in the end no it's not not what i want but what i really like about this pilsner is number one it was one of the clearer ones that i've made in the series um I had gotten the clarity game with my Pilsners a lot better. The first one was very hazy. Uh, the second one, better than the first. And the third one was the clearest. Um, and, you know, it was a technique, uh, learning a technique about, about brewing, uh, you know, and, and having patience and allowing it to lagger and allowing for the particulates to settle. And then, of course, not drawing directly off the bottom, being patient with where I was drawing the wart, so that when I was bottling it, you know, it wasn't going to be dirty uh, or hazy in appearance. Again, there's a slight sweetness to this. It's like a lot of the Pilsners um, that I've had recently, you know, made by professional brewers. Um, you know, there's a spectrum of light sweetness. But what I really like about the second edition of this Pilsner is that that sudden dryness that happens on the top of my tongue um, with my favorite type styles of Pilsners. I really like the drier end of Pilsners, uh, the crispier. Uh, this doesn't have as crispy a note as I, I would desire. Um, again, I think it's based primarily on the, the, the lack of laggering that I should have given it. I didn't, I should have given it more patience. And I plan on going back to the Pilsner next year. It's not going to be my primary focus. And 2021, um, I'm going to go back to what I did last year, which was a fun year, and that is I'm going to, you know, randomly pick out recipes, um, and I'm going to go to the Cat's Meow uh, catalog that my friend Bob gave me. <laughs> There's a great story behind the, the, the Cat's Meow catalog. It is really just... <laughs> hundreds if not thousands of recipes old school recipes and um they're all a majority of them are like typewritten pages you know it's it's not like it's out of beersmith or anything like that so they're typewritten pages and it it's an old book um and i literally what bob had my my mentor bobby g long I could done he said here why don't, why don't you look at this book and I looked at it and said can I make copies of this and literally I went to Staples and copied you know, five, 500 plus pages of uh, recipes and created my own binder 
And, you know, it was an adventure in itself. I was just brand new to home brewing, thinking, you know, I'd just pick one of these recipes. But I never really got to, to produce anything out of those recipes worth noting. I think I may have picked one recipe. It was a simple Christmas recipe. And the beer didn't come out great. So, again, not worth noting. <laughs> um, <laughs> a home brewer's secret. If the beer's not worth noting, don't mention it in a podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you move on. And so I'm looking forward to next year's adventure. So, um, uh, 2021 will be like 2019 in which uh, my main focus will be uh, redevelopment of the Pilsner having a little patience with the lagering process really kind of like you know uh, work on a little patience here um, also work on the decoction method um, I think I may have overworked my decoction I may have been a little too aggressive in my decoction and I'm going to try different te- uh, techniques with the deco- decoction method and hopefully produce a, a better Pilsner by the end of the year because I, not only do I want my chocolate coffee porter to be a Christmas beer, I would like my Pilsner to be my predominant favorite and, uh, you know, improve. The COVID, the COVID situation this year, you know, the whole virus thing kind of threw off everything in brewing, in my brewing world this year. At the same time, uh, you know, I was in the process of, you know, selling and uh, buying a new home, uh, which didn't pan out. And so I ended up staying and then renovating. And so it it, it kind of like, you know, put every my whole home brewing adventure um, or development on hold, which is fine. You know, you have to make sacrifices for the benefit of the family, which is, you know, a lesson <laughs> a lot of us home brewers know about. So, you know, no regrets and you move on. And my goal, of course, is to spend next year working on improving my home brewing game and making, you know, these making a style that I really enjoy. That's Pilsner um, into, you know, a better and better beer. That really is a good beer. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's what you have to do, right? You can't, you can't just like, well, hell, you can, but you you can't just go out and make a beer um, expected to be the best damn beer that you're going to ever make kind of thing um, and not want to improve upon it. The same thing with this. I, I love Pilsner's. Uh, I spent a lot of my time this year buying Pilsners off the shelf and and drinking all the local Pilsners I could find, um, all the canned Pilsners I could find, especially regional canned Pilsners, and, you know, just drinking them and enjoying the experience of the whole thing, taking my notes, taking my research, and making, you know, uh, it a goal to make a Pilsner, which I tried to do all year. And here I am towards the end of the year and I really don't regret all the interference in 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 the process it it's reality you know and you move on and you keep going and that's what makes home brewing such a fun activity I think for a lot of us um I miss uh, I had just started with um the East Bay 
Brewers uh, Homebrew Club. Great group of people. I was able to attend a meeting, uh, a couple of meetings, and was able to present um, my stuff at the meetings. Um, and it was fun, you know. And then uh, this virus hit us, and the whole group had to disband for a period of time. Uh, and I'm hoping that, you know, 2021 brings a new adventure. Um, since I've decided, you know, since we're not moving out of the area, we plan on staying here and the brew club just meets around the corner. That that's great, you know, for me, um, cause it allows me to, you know, once again, gather with a group of people who have the same kind of passion as you do. So, you know, again, I salute all those people out there that, you know, do the home brewing, um, find a way to make it happen in their lives. Um, you know, I listen to a lot of home brewing uh, podcasts of people tasting beers, uh, home brewers making beers, and it's a lot of fun to to hear that there are people out there that you know no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the the variables are, they'll always go out and and try to make a home brew. So uh, keep the adventure going, folks. Please keep enjoying what you're doing. So the notes on these, uh, this Pilsner is, is it's just like a, a lot of the pills. It's in between all the Pilsners that I've had throughout the year. The carbonation is a little lightly underwhelming, but that doesn't disturb me too much. I think I might have sugared this bottle a little lower than it should have been. But flavor-wise, it is a fabulous Pilsner. It's the favorite Pilsner of my, my home brewing year. I really like addition too, and I salute all you homebrewers out there. Um, you know, do your day well, enjoy your homebrewing experience, have fun doing it, um, and I toast you. I toast, uh, of course, my wife and my family, uh, my mentor Bobby G, and uh, Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies. Without them, I wouldn't have <laughs> what I need to make my pilsners and my beers. But again, thank you folks for listening to this podcast. A beer is always best served when you make it yourself. A toast to you. All right, we're done here. Put the damn thing in a box, tape it up, ship it out. No questions asked. All right? You got a problem with that?